If you um, have your notes, uh, please make sure that every one of you guys has some notes because we're going to go through a lot of scripture today. And we're going to continue our study in Shadows of Golgotha. We are studying pictures of the cross in the Old Testament. Um, and again, when I was looking at our website, today actually literally is a, our year when we started that series a year ago, literally a year ago, very end of August of last year. We're about sermon 40 or 41, something like that. Um, so it's like it has been going on for a while. And that's still, we still think, I think we still have at least uh, maybe half a year into it again or something like that. We'll see. But it's, it's good. I love it. I hope you guys are enjoying it. Um, so now we are in Psalm 22. Let's all stand again and read that psalm together as we have been doing for the last month or so. Um, let's all stand and meditate on that psalm as we read the word of God. Psalm 22, verse 1. Again, just to let you know, uh, if you haven't been here before, this is, uh, in a way, uh, represented the cry of the heart of Christ when he was on the cross. And you see in that a vivid picture of the agony and the victory of the cross. The pain that Jesus has gone through on the cross for for our salvation. Today, we're going to talk more about the victory side of the cross. So let's uh, be thinking about that as we... um, Read through that psalm. Sister Laura mentioned that you need to pay special attention to our sermon today because she's going to have prizes next week if you remember what we talked about this week. Amen? So um, (laughs) there is a a quiz next week, you know? So keep that in mind. All right, Psalm 22, verse 1. My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Why are you so far from saving me? So far from my cries of anguish. My God, I cry out by day, but you do not answer. By night, but I find no rest. Yet you are enthroned as the Holy One. You are the one Israel prays. In you, our ancestors put their trust. They trusted and you delivered them. To you, they cried out and were saved. In you, they trusted and were not put to shame. But I am a worm and not a man, scorned by everyone, despised by the people. All who see me mock me. They hurl insults, shaking their heads. They trust in the Lord, they say. Let the Lord rescue him. Let him deliver him, since he delights in him. Yet you brought me out of the womb. You made me trust in you, even at my mother's breast. From birth I was cast on you. From my mother's womb you have been my God. Do not be far from me, for trouble is near and there is no one to help. Many bulls surround me. Strong bulls of Bashan encircle me. Roaring lions that tear their prey open their mouth wide against me. I am poured out like water and all my bones are out of joint. My heart has it has melted within me. My strength is dried up like a butcher, and my tongue sticks to the roof of my mouth. You lay me in the dust of the earth. Dogs surround me. A pack of villains encircles me. They pierce my hand and my feet. All my bones are on display. People stare and gloat over me. They divide my clothes among them, 
and cast lots for my garment. But you, Lord, do not be far from me. You are my strength. Come quickly to help me. Deliver me from the sword, my precious life from the power of the dogs. Rescue me from the mouth of the lions. Save me from the horns of the wild oxen. I will declare your name to my people. In the assembly, I will praise you. All the descendants of Jacob honor him. Revere him, all the descendants of Israel. For he has not despised or scorned the suffering of the afflicted one. He has not hidden his face from him, but has listened to his cry of help. From you comes the theme of my praise in the great assembly. Before those, the poor will eat and be satisfied. Those who seek the Lord will praise him. May your hearts live forever. All the ends of the earth shall remember and turn to the Lord, and all the families of the nation will bow down before him. And he rules over the nations. All the rich of the earth will feast and worship. All who go down to the dust will kneel before him. Those who cannot help keep themselves alive Posterity will serve him. Future generation will be told about the Lord. They will proclaim his righteousness, declaring to a people yet unborn, he has done it. Amen. You all can be seated. So we uh, have been talking about Psalm 22. This is week number five, right? And we say that Psalm 22 highlights three different pictures of Christ on the cross. The first picture was in in verses 1 to 5, and that was Christ the forsaken one. The one who was forsaken by the Father on the cross. That's why verse 1 says, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? And we say that Jesus quoted that part directly, one of his seven words that he uttered on the cross. And then we went to verse 6 to verse 21, and we said in, that, in these verses, we see a picture of Christ, the suffering one, right? And we spent three weeks talking about the description of the agony that Jesus has gone through on the cross for our salvation. We talked about his overall condition, how he was uh, just a warmer, not a man, and how is he poured out like water, so powerless in front of those who crucified him. We talked about his heart being melted like wax. We talked about his tongue stuck into the roof of his mouth. We talked about his, his bones just being out of joint. We talked about uh, him being nailed to the cross, piercing his hands and f- his feet. We talked about his clothes being, being torn and being cast a lot on so they can divide it among them. We talked about seven things that Jesus that the psalmist here from verse um, 6 to verse 21 describes in detail the agony and the pain that Jesus has gone through on the cross. Amen? Amen. And this is amazing. Remember, this is almost hundreds of years before crucifixion was even invented. Yet we see a very vivid description of how Jesus will literally die and suffer for our sakes on the cross. Amen? Amen? Today we're going to move on to the last part of the psalm, which is verse 22 to verse 31. And in these three, ten verses roughly, we're going to see a picture of Christ, 
Not the forsaken one and not the suffering one, but Christ the victorious one, the triumphant one. Amen? This psalm doesn't end just by the pain and the agony that Jesus has gone through on the cross for us. This psalm also goes to the victory that Jesus has accomplished for us on the cross. Amen? I'm going to highlight only three things that we see in these ten verses in terms of the victory of Christ on the cross. And in these ten verses, I want to highlight three things that God in Christ has fulfilled three different things or three plans. Number one, God has fulfilled in Christ his salvation plan. Amen. And number two, God in Christ has fulfilled his restoration plan for the falling mankind. So we'll see that God's salvation plan for you and me was fulfilled through the cross. Now we're talking about the victory of the cross. Amen. So we're going to see that through the cross, God has fulfilled in Christ the salvation plan that he has for you and me. And not only that, he also fulfilled the restoration plan that he has for you and me. Amen. And not only that, but God has fulfilled in Christ his eternal plan. The plan that he already had even before the foundation of the world. God has fulfilled in Christ when he died on the cross. Amen. Amen. So three kind of plans here. Let's say it together just to make sure you're going to follow me. Remember this prize is next week. So you need to know this very well. All right. Number one, God fulfilled his salvation plan. Number two, he fulfilled his restoration plan. And number three, he fulfilled his eternal plan. Let's start with the salvation plan. We see the hint to that or, or where we get that from is actually the very last verse of that chapter. Verse 31, when David said under the guidance of the Holy Spirit about the people who will come to know God, they say they will proclaim his righteousness, declaring to people yet unborn, i.e. future generation, he has done it. Amen. Now, the Hebrew words for he has done it in all Hebrew translations literally goes like it's done. It's being taken care of. God has fulfilled his plan. Now, we see that this exact same Hebrew phrase that was used here in Psalm 22 was translated a couple of times by the Septuagint, which we talked about this many times before. What is the Septuagint? This is the Greek translation of the Old Testament before Christ. And you know the New Testament was written in Greek. So it, the Septuagint is a good reference point for us. Yet that same Hebrew phrase, it is done, was translated a couple of times in the Old Testament Septuagint as it is finished. We see a couple of examples for that. If you uh, look with me in um, first one, I think it's in Nehemiah 6.16. The actual words in Hebrew says this, reports that Nehemiah was saying that his enemies has lost their self-confidence because they realized that their work has been done. It's the exact same thing that the, that the Psalm 22 says in Hebrew, it is done. Yet the Septuagint, when they translated that word, they translated to a Greek word called tetelstomai, which literally means it is finished. Amen. And we see another example for that in Isaiah 55, 11. This is what it says, that his spoken word should accomplish, should do, right? That what, uh, what I desire and achieve the purpose of which I send it. And the word accomplished in, in Hebrew here was translated to the words, it is finished, titilstomai in, in the Greek translation of the Old Testament. Amen? Amen? Now it is finished. Does that ring a bell to any one of us? 
Jesus said this exact word when he was on the cross. Amen? Amen. Remember what we said before? Jesus said seven words when he was on the cross. I think word uh, four, five, and six, almost either direct quote or uh, an allusion to that psalm. Word five was, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me, right? The, that's word five. Word fifth was, I am thirsty, which represent even in that psalm, in the middle of the psalm, you see how it talks about how his tongue stuck to the roof of his mouth. And then word number six was, it is finished. And many believe that when Jesus said it is finished, he was actually making an allusion to that very last verse in Psalm 22, when it says, he has done it. Amen? So that's why we can say that in the cross, God has fulfilled his salvation plan for for the fallen human race. Because before Jesus went to off the cross, before he gave his life up and surrendered it to God the Father, Jesus said, it is finished. What is it that was finished? What is it that Jesus was talking about at this point? God's salvation plan for the falling human race. It has been accomplished and it is finished. Amen? And now when Jesus said it is finished, I want to highlight three small things with you here. Amen? Number one, it is finished because the price is paid. Number two, it is finished so you don't have to strive. And number three, it is finished but you must repent. Let's talk about this. Number one, it is finished. God's salvation plan for the falling human race is accomplished, is done, is finished because the price is paid. Remember when did Jesus even start saying the whole word four, five, and six? My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? And I am thirsty and it is finished. All of this was done after the three hours where there was darkness on the cross. Amen? And during these three hours, God the Father, that's when he turned his face away from his son and poured out his judgment on Christ as our sin offering, as our substitute on the cross. Amen? Amen. And after Jesus took the very last drop of the wrath of God on your behalf and my behalf on the cross, Jesus cried out and said, it is finished. Jesus finished everything. He paid everything. The salvation plan is finished. Not because God decided to let sin go unpunished. It is finished because the price is paid. And it is paid in full. Amen. This is good news. I can only imagine. This is the greatest word any human being can ever hear. Your salvation plan is being taken care of. It is paid for. It's all done. It is finished. You don't have to do anything for it. Amen? Amen. It is finished because Jesus paid the price. But number two, it is finished. Therefore, you don't have to strive. Right? Here is the problem when people, you go talk to anyone, do you think you're going to go to heaven? Of course, I, I, I really hope I'm going to go to heaven. Not I know, I hope. Why you hope you're going to go to heaven? Because I am a good person. This is what they tell you. Yeah. I try to do all what I can. I try my very best. Therefore, because I'm doing my very best, I hope I'm going to end up in heaven. But do you realize this is a vicious cycle? How good is good enough, really, when you think about it? How many homeless people you can see in the street and not give money to, and you're still a good person? 
Do you see how this is very subjective? And not just subjective, it is a vicious cycle because you'll never know how good is good enough. And you always have room to get better. And the more better you get, there is still more room for you to improve. And you fall in that vicious cycle of nothing you can do can ever be good enough. You always just hope and you would like to go to heaven. But you'll never know if you're going to go to heaven or not. Because you never know if what you do is good enough to please God or not. Amen? Amen. But you know what? This is not even the Bible. The scripture, the Christianity and Christ has nothing to do with what you can do. Amen? Amen. It is all about what Jesus has done on the cross. Amen? Remember Jesus said this on the cross. It is finished. When it's finished, you don't have to strive for it. It's already paid for. It's already taken care of. It is finished. Amen? I'm not sure who said that, but one, one evangelist, I guess, said this famous quote. He said, every religion in the world tells you, do. Do this. Do that. They give you a list of the commandments that you have to obey and the list of the stuff you don't have to do. And they tell you, hey, go for it. See how much you can accomplish. And the DNA of every single religion in the world is this. Do. Do, 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 work, 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 work for your salvation. Amen? Amen. But Christ is different. Christianity is different. Christianity is not do. Christianity is done. It is done on the cross. Amen? You know all these religions in the world, when you boil it down to its very core basics, they're all the same. They might be just different pictures, but they're all telling you the exact same thing. Work, work, work. Work, work, so you can please God as much as you can. Whether it's Islam, Hinduism, Buddhism, atheism, whatever religion in this world, they all have the same DNA. Do and work. Amen? Amen. But Christianity is not the same. Amen? Amen. Christ is different. Christ say it is done. You don't have to strive to please God. God is already pleased with you. Not because of what you can do, but because of what Jesus has done for us on the cross. Amen? Amen. I'm not sure if you remember my friend Vanya from Croatia who visited here one time. I was just on Facebook as usual this week. And she posted this quote, quoting Pastor Tim Keller from uh, Manhattan, from New York, a pastor of a Presbyterian church. And this is what he said on his Facebook. And I found that so appropriate to share with you this morning. He said this, Buddha's final word is strive unceasingly. But Jesus' final word was, it is finished. It is so true. You go, I was like, no way. And I went back and I googled it. And literally the last few words that Buddha uttered and then he died is this. He's telling a bunch of monks, you need to work so hard for your own salvation. And then he died. That's it. That's literally the last few words that came out of his mouth. But when Jesus died for us on the cross, he did not say work for your salvation. He said it is finished. And Christ is different than every single religion in this world. Because religion is from the devil. It's a man-made way of reaching God. But God said no one can do good enough works to reach me. That's why I paid for your salvation in full on the cross when Jesus took your punishment and took your place on the cross. Amen? Amen. It is finished because the price is paid. It is finished. You don't have to strive. But it is finished. You must repent. 
The fact that Jesus died for you and he paid for your sins on the cross and salvation now is a free gift from God to man. It's not a license for you to go out and sin because, hey, it's already paid for. Amen? A grace that doesn't, the grace of God, which is a free gift from God, that gives you eternal life, is the exact same grace that teaches you how to live godly in this world. Amen? Amen? Yes, eternal life is a free gift from God to man in Christ Jesus. But the Bible, the same Bible also say, if anyone in Christ Jesus, he's a new creation. Amen? Amen. To be made right with God is a free gift, but with it comes the power to change. If you're going to say, hey, you know, God died, Jesus died for me on the cross. That's good. Price is paid. I'll go out and party. You're not reading the Bible that God has given us. Amen. Christ died for you on the cross so that his righteousness can cover you before a holy and a righteous God. But the same Christ that you want him to cover you before a holy and a righteous God must dwell in your heart and change you 180 degrees. You don't pick and choose. Amen? You can't say, I want his salvation, but I don't want his life in me. You either take both or you're not going to take anything at all. Amen? When When you, Jesus paid for it, For everything on the cross. But you must repent of your sins. And say God. There is nothing I can do to be made right with you. But all what I'm doing is. I'm just leaving my sin. From today forward. I will live for you. Amen. Amen. And if you make that commitment. The power of Christ will come. And dwell in your heart and change you. And the righteousness of Christ will cover you. And the wrath of God will pass over you. Amen. It's all one package deal that God will give you today for free. If you say, God, come into my heart and change me. Amen? Amen. So on the cross, God has fulfilled his salvation plan for us. It is finished. He has done it. Amen? But number two, on the cross, God also has fulfilled his restoration plan for you and me. Amen? Amen? Where do we get that from? Verse 22. Here's what the psalmist said. He said, I will declare your name to my people. Remember, this is Christ saying this stuff. This is a prophecy on the tongue of Christ from the Old Testament. Amen? Amen. So this is Christ in the Old Testament talking about what he will do on the cross. And he said, I will declare your name to my people. In the assembly, I will praise you. Now, That verse was quoted in the New Testament. It was quoted once actually in the New Testament. It was quoted in Hebrews chapter 2 verse 10 to verse 12. Amen. So here is what the author of Hebrews is saying. He's saying in verse 10. For it was fitting for him. That's the father. God the father. For whom are all things and by whom are all things. In bringing many sons to glory. Who are the sons that he's talking about here? He's talking about you. And me coming to find the salvation that God has for us in Christ. He said in order for God to bring many people like you and me to glory, to the knowledge of Christ, to the kingdom of God. It was fitting for him. It was fit with his character. It was fit with his personality. It was just right for God in order for him to bring many people into his kingdom. To do what? To make the captain of their salvation perfect through Suffering. What suffering he's talking about? He's talking about the cross. 
So he's saying it just fits the personality of God, the mind of God, the heart of God. If he ever going to bring people to know him and bring them to glory, that the captain of their salvation must suffer on the cross. Amen? And then it says like after that, for both he who sanctifies, that's Christ, and those who are being sanctified, that's you and me, are all of one. We talked about this before. We are of one nature, the human nature, because Christ came down and became human for you and me. Amen? For this reason, look at this. For this reason, because Christ became human like you and me, so he can go to the cross and die, so he can be perfected as a captain of our salvation, so that many sons can come to glory. You guys follow the thought process so far? It was fitting for him, for, uh, for which this reason, for which reason he is not ashamed to call us brethren. Because he became a human just like you and me. For this reason he's not ashamed to call us brethren, saying, I will declare your name to my brethren in the midst of the assembly. I will praise to you. Which is a quote from Psalm 22, verse 22. So you guys follow what the author of Hebrews is trying to tell us here? Yeah. He's saying, it was... Fitting for the personality of God because God is just and He's loving and merciful at the same time. In order for Him to forgive us, He had to punish Christ on the cross for our sins so that His justice would be satisfied. And by doing so, now many sons have been brought into the kingdom of God, into the glory of God. And because Jesus has humbled himself and became just like you and me, a mere human being, so he can go to the cross and die for us. For that reason, because he's like you and me, he's not ashamed to call us brethren. We're his brothers. Amen? And to support his claim, the author of Hebrews quoted Psalm 22, verse 22, which is saying, I will declare your name to my people. So we are called now Christ people because he is, we are called his brethren because he became just like you and me. Amen. In other words, what the author of Hebrews is saying here, based on that quote from Psalm 22, is this. That in Christ, God did not just fulfill the salvation plan and He punished our sins in Christ on the cross. But He also has restored us to the glory of God, to a wonderful relationship with God. That now we are called children of the Most High God, brothers and sisters of Christ Jesus Himself. Amen? In Christ, on the cross, God has paid for the penalty of all our sins. But not only that, He did not just complete our salvation. He also completed our restoration back into the family of God. Amen? And because of Jesus dying on the cross for us, the captain of our salvation now is made perfect through suffering. And because He became just like us, He's not ashamed to call us brethren, saying, I will declare your name to my people. Isn't that awesome? Isn't that great? Christ has restored us because he died for us on the cross. Not just paid for our sins, but he also restored us back into the family of God. And how much do you need to do to be restored back into the family of God? How much do you need to work? None. None. Because it is finished. He has done it. Amen. So that is not point number two. We'll move on to point number three. God in Christ also fulfilled his eternal plan. Not just salvation plan, not just restoration plan, but also his eternal plan. What, what am I referring to here? If you go back to verse 27, let's look at that verse. 
verse 27. This is the verse that we're going to meditate on this week. And here's what the psalmist said. All, look at this. All the ends of the earth will remember and turn to the Lord. Right? And how many? All the families of the nations will bow down before him. So the psalmist, which is again a Christ talking here through prophecy, saying that because of the cross, look, look, listen, because of the cross, all the nations and all the families of the earth will know and worship God as a result of what Jesus has done for us on the cross. Amen. Amen. And we see that theme running through the whole 10 verses that we were just reading about. We see geographically that all the ends of the earth, all the families of the earth will worship God. Verse 27. Socially, we see the poor will know God in verse 26. And the rich will know God in verse 29. Amen. And eschatology for the future. We see that future generations yet unborn will still praise him because he has done it. So the theme of these 10 verses is that because of what Jesus has done on the cross, every single people group in this world, every single people group, even yet to come, will come to know God and worship God. Amen? And this, my friend, is God's eternal purposes even before the foundations of the world. Amen? God always thinks in terms of people groups, families of the earth. Amen? I'll give you an example. We live here in Fairfax County, right? But we have people who speak Spanish. We have Ethiopians. We have Koreans. We have all kinds of people groups inside Fairfax County, right? Even though we're geographically in the same location, yet we are multiple different families. We are multiple different people groups who live in the same location. Amen? Now, it is God's eternal plan, even before the foundation of the world, that Within every group, within every family in this earth, people will know Christ and will worship Him. Amen? Yes. He, that's what Paul said. Look at this. Ephesians 3, 11, 3 to 11. Just a few verses here. He's talking about his ministry, Paul. And he said, How? That by revelation, He made known to me the mystery, which, uh, as I have briefly written already, by which, when you read, you may understand my knowledge in the mystery of Christ. So he's talking about something mysterious, right? A secret, right? What is that mystery, Paul, that you're talking about? Verse 5. Which in other ages was not made known to the sons of men, as it is now has been revealed by the Spirit to his holy apostles and prophets. Here it is. Here is the mystery that was hidden for ages. Verse 6. That the Gentiles should be fellow heirs of the same body and partakers of the promise of Christ through the gospel. Amen. Amen. Verse 9. And to make all. How many? All. All. Remember what Psalm 22 said? All the ends of the earth. All the families of the earth. Verse 9 here. And to make all see what is the fellowship of this mystery which from the beginning of the ages. Look at this. From how long? The beginning of the ages has been hidden in God who created all things through Christ Jesus. Amen. Verse 11. According to what kind of purpose? Eternal. Eternal purpose which he accomplished how in Christ Jesus our Lord amen do you see even in the Old Testament when God chose Abraham and chose his 
Israel to be his nation, God was not just always or thinking only about Israel to be his own people. Amen? Amen. Paul tells us here point blank that even before the ages began, it is the very purposes, the very eternal plan of God that all people will know him. Amen? In the Old Testament, he wanted to use Israel to be the vehicle in which the blessing of God can flow to every people group in the world. Amen? But look at this, verse 11, according to the eternal purpose which God has accomplished, how? In Christ Jesus. Remember Psalm 22? That because Jesus went to the cross, what's going to happen? All the ends of the earth will worship God. All the families of the earth will worship God. The very eternal purposes, the very eternal plan of God, that every single people group in this world will know Christ and will worship God, has been fulfilled when Jesus died for us on the cross. Amen? Amen. Genesis 12, 3. Look at this. Now, this is God calling Abraham. We're talking Old Testament here. Amen? And God is commanding Abraham to follow him. And here's what God is saying. I will bless those who bless you. And I will curse those who curse you. And in you, all the tribes of Israel will be blessed. What does it say? All the what? All the families of the earth will be blessed. All the people, groups of the earth will be blessed. God did never intended that the blessing of Abraham would only remain in the nation of Israel. Amen? God always intended that his blessing will flow through Israel to touch every single family in this world. Amen? Amen. And that's why he said, you see, this is so amazing. In, in, in Genesis 12, God promised Abraham that somehow through his seed, his, his blessing will flow to all the families of the earth. Amen? Amen. But God didn't Abraham, how is that going to happen, right? But we see how is that happening in Psalm 22. When God, when Jesus said in the spirit of prophecy that all the families of the earth will worship God after the cross, because of the cross, because of what Jesus has gone for, done for us on the cross, that all the families of the earth will come to worship God. Amen? Do you see that beautiful how the Bible is just so connected together? God promised Abraham, but he didn't tell him how. God show us in Psalm 22, how is that going to happen? It's through Jesus dying for us on the cross. Amen? And that's why Jesus commanded, <coughs> Jesus commanded his church that we, when we preach the gospel, we also should preach it to every single people group, all the families of the world. Matthew 24, 14. And this gospel of the kingdom will be preached in all the world as a witness to all the nations. The, all the nations in Greek is ethnos, people group. Ethnicity, where do we get the word ethnicity from it? This is Christ's plan that the church will go into every people group and proclaim the gospel. Amen? Do you see the flow of the thought of God? God has not changed. The promise he made to Abraham, he said it's going to be fulfilled on the cross. He commanded the church to go and fulfill it. Amen? Amen. And you want to see what's going to happen in eternity? Look at this. Revelation 7, 9 to 10. Here is what John said. After these things and looked and behold a great multitude which no one could number of how much? Of all nations, tribes, people and tongues. What they're doing? They're standing before the throne and before the Lamb closed in white robes with palm branches in their hands and crying out with a loud voice saying salvation belongs to our God who sits on the throne and equally belongs to the Lamb. 
Do you see how the Bible is so connected from Genesis to Revelation? God is always thinking people groups. Amen? And that purpose would have never, that very eternal purpose of God was accomplished only because Jesus died on the cross for you and me. Amen? Think about this. In heaven, there will be people from every tongue, from every nation, from every tribe, from every people group. Amen? Amen. Let me just tell you something here. If you don't feel comfortable worshiping with people of a different ethnicity, if you're white and you don't want to go to black churches because they're just different, or if you're black and you want to go only to black churches because, you know, white people just worship differently. If you're not comfortable worshiping with people who don't look like you and act like you, I have some bad news for you. You're going to be miserable in heaven. Yes. <laughs> Amen. Because there will be yes. people from every tribe and every tongue and every nation worshiping before the Lamb for all eternity. Amen. Yes. Do you see how God in Christ Jesus through the cross has fulfilled his salvation plan for you and me? Because Jesus paid the price in full. Amen. But not only that, God has fulfilled his restoration plan. Now we have been brought back into the kingdom of God. And Jesus can call you and me my Brethren, amen? And not only that, but through the cross, God has fulfilled His eternal plan that we will see one day in heaven when every people from every tribe and nation and tongue will stand before the throne and worship the one who died for them on the cross. Amen? That is the victory of the cross. Amen? Amen? Why don't we come before the Lord and pray?